0: Unified. Unique. Voices. Learn more at univozpods.net
1: Hello. My name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! My beautiful screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. This is episode 228, but more importantly, it is day two of the... Day two of the Countdown to Halloween Part a thon yes, and guess what, kids? We've already hit a detour. Yeah, we're not going where we thought we were going. You know, no, what do you mean where we will know. Well, I'm, okay, don't panic, don't panic. I'm trying to make it scary and it's just not working. First of all, before we go any further, please allow me to introduce myself. My name is Patrick Walsh, and normally twice a month I am your guide through the weird and wonderful world of horror movies, but you have to see them through my very, very gay little eyes. Well, that's pretty much all the same. I mean, you're still going to have – we're still going to talk about horror movies. You're still going to have to look at them through my gay eyes. But I'm coming at you every day now. I'll be coming at you every day for the next three weeks because the Ponathon is a fundraising effort to make money. Make some money. Make some money for the good old folks at New Alternatives, which is an organization in New York City that raises funds to help – Homeless LGBT teenagers. But we're going to come back to that as well. Because I led with the mysterious comment and I can't leave you hanging. Okay. Normally, we talk about horror movies here, right? Yeah. So it makes sense that for the countdown to Halloween marathon, you are going to talk about super, super, super scary movies. Because it's Halloween, right? Yes. And no. Because Halloween doesn't just mean scary stuff to me. Halloween has always also been this celebration of the imagination, of creativity, of, of, of where a night where you could bend the rules, a night where you could make your own rules, and a night where anything could happen. And the movie that we're talking about embodies all of that. and well, it may not be scary it also shows that creativity kills man even if it kills with whimsy what the hell are you talking about Patrick well I'm talking about Dave Made a Maze which was a movie when I stumbled across it completely by accident I said oh my god this movie was amazing I have to tell my lovely listeners about it and what better time than now man What better time than now? Because, well, one of my guests, he's got Doug Shapiroitis. Yeah. We'll get into that in this segment. And if you don't know what that means, if you're new and you're wondering, what the hell does that mean? Well, you'll find out. You'll find out. It's okay. It's not fatal. It's fabulous, but it's not fatal. So I personally am feeling a hell of a lot better today than I did yesterday. I slept. Like, nobody's business. I haven't slept this late since, I think, high school. And, of course, I'm panicking a little bit because today I have to get two episodes out to you. Yeah, Because tomorrow, I'm not going to be available to do this. Because, some of you know, I won tickets – I'm sorry. I won the opportunity to buy tickets for that exclusive tour – of Camp Crystal Lake, you know, the film site where they shot the movie. They open it up a couple of times a year and then you can go up and you can tour and Agent King's gonna be there and it's gonna be fabulous. Well, I'm gonna be there. Sorry, guys. I mean, uh, yeah, the podathon's great and everything, but hello. How can I turn that down? No, sir. So I'm going with listener Amy. We're gonna go be checking... We're gonna go be checking that out tomorrow is what I was just about to say. Actually, no, I did say it and now I've said it twice. So I have to get two episodes out to you today. So this one... Believe it or not, we recorded all the way back in August. That's how long I've been working on this. And it has—it was already all edited and ready to go. So the next two episodes are just going to be you know, a bit prepackaged. No, not a bit prepackaged. They're prepackaged. But that's fine. It's all part of it. It was all worked into my intricate, insane little plan. I know what an insane plan this is. I mean, who undertakes something like this and then does it all primarily by themselves? I don't know. Me. I'm an idiot. And an egotist. Okay? I'm an idiot. I'm an egotist. I made a word. Dave made a maze, but I made a word. Oh, boy. All right. Now, this is all well and good and fun, right? But much like Halloween itself, it is a lot of fun, but there's some dark undercurrents at work here. And that's what's happening here at the Potathon as well because – it was only recently that we discovered just how bad the LGBT teenage homeless problem is. It's out of control. I'm going to keep throwing this number at you. But LGBT teenagers make up 40% of the teen homeless population. Now, if only 1 in 10 people identify as LGBT Anyway, in any given scenario, you know that's that's pretty much the number, it's about ten percent. That's one in ten. to have all of a sudden that leap to four out of ten is insane. And you have to think, why? what's driving these kids out of the house? Well, another uncomfortable statistic is that almost half of LGBT teenagers report sexual abuse by a family member before the age of 12. Almost half. And I said, God, that's bad. Jesus, I had no idea. And then a little voice in my head said, why are you surprised, Patrick? It happened to you. It did, and um, you know, Irish Catholic. We don't talk about stuff, so that's something I've sat on for years, telling myself, "Oh, it wasn't that bad. It was no big deal. It wasn't, it wasn't you know, like real anything, but it was something, and it shouldn't have happened." And I was eight, and it only happened once. Imagine if it was happening every day. it would be a whole different skew on things okay so half of all gay kids I'm sorry you know I'm sorry you guys know I'm old I'm set in my way I'm just saying the gay community to refer to everybody and you know I just just deal with my politics I'm just trying to make a point here just that you know half of gay kids report sexual abuse by a family member and then when you look at the homeless population, it's 60% report that happening. So these kids, many of them, are choosing to leave home to stop the abuse because they don't feel safe there, and they put themselves out on the streets, which is much fucking worse. I've taken time this year because last year when I thought of the potathon, I mean, I mean, not the potathon itself, but they're actually supporting something with it, that was totally last minute. It was October when I thought of it, and I was already familiar with new alternatives through my friend Lawrence, who volunteers there. And so this year I said, no, I'm getting involved. I've been down at the soup kitchen many, many Sunday, and I see these kids, and sure, we're giving them food, and they're doing their best, but some of them, my God, they're babies, but we can help. Now, granted, the ones who are coming in to New Alternatives are, are better off, a bit better off, than many of the others, but still, you talk to them, and occasionally, they'll just drop some story about the horrible guy that they had to sell themselves to in order to have a place to sleep that was warm during the ice storms that happened last winter. And I'm looking at this kid going, you're 15. You're 15? But then again, according to the statistics, the average age in LGBT youth is most likely to become homeless in New York State is 14. So... How big an idiot were you at 14? How much world savvy did you have at 14? Because I don't know about you, but I was a fucking moron. I wouldn't have lasted a minute out on these streets, not a fucking minute. I mean, I close out every show with the Scream Queen's golden rule, right? Fight or flight, survive the night, make it to the final reel, which means you gotta do what you gotta do to survive. And these kids have to do this every fucking day. The horror movie never ends. And I mean, in theory, that's awesome. You guys are scream queens for life. My tiara is off to you, but what good is a fucking imaginary tiara gonna do? You can't eat it, you can't live in it. And the other implication of the scream queen's rule is that you do what you gotta do to survive and you do not feel a sickening of shame about it, or, or worry about people judging you. And I don't judge these kids for what they have to do to survive. I judge the, I don't know, society. So that put them in this situation in the first place. So that's fucked up. So the fact these kids are here and getting help and getting better is amazing. But there is so much more work to be done. So much more work to be done. And that is why I need you to go over to fundraise.newalternativesnyc.org/sq and donate, and you start thinking about your donation to $21, okay? That's your price to me for these shows, okay? You could donate on top of that. Man, that's for no alternatives, but just, I just I'm kind of think. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm to upset myself now. Uh, okay, well, all right, let's move on to cheerier things. We have some people to thank. I made a big to-do yesterday about how great, Tara Garner was, for getting her donation in even before the marathon started. Well, I realized shortly afterwards that there was a second person who did that as well. And they deserve to have their accolades. And that is Catherine Twarney. Catherine Twarney, thank you. Thank you for jumping the gun, getting in there before it got all crowded and everything. And, you know, you might be number two on the donation list, but you're both number one with me. Me, you, and Tara Garner. We also have Steve Yacht. Donated. Thank you, Steve. Steve could have been joining me on this Friday the 13th tour tomorrow, but he got sticky on his trigger finger and he didn't pull it soon enough. Sorry, Steve. But thank you. Thank you for your donation. Yay. I'll think about you when I'm at the camp tomorrow. Yay. (laughs) And we have Laura Lang. Laura Lang, the first cut the bullshit podcaster to represent. What, what, can I get a what, what for Laura Lang? If you're wondering what Cut the Bullshit podcasting is, well, you're going to find out a whole hell of a lot in this segment because there is so much bullshit that Christopher and Michael Howie and I are going to be – but you'll figure it out. You figure it out. But thank you, Laura Lang. You're awesome. And hey, another bullshitter, Christopher Grumlin, and also our guest host for today. Thank you, Christopher. Yeah, you're going to do so well in this segment. I can read the future, actually, because it's in the past. Shut up. You know what I mean? All right, guys. <sighs> if you want to be like all these cool people, that address again is slash SQ, which of course stands for Scream Queens to get it in there don't wait 21 days 21 shows at least $21 okay so that's gonna be all that for now and I'm gonna bring on Christopher Gronin and we are gonna bring on Dumb Michael Howey and we are gonna bring on Dave and Dave he gonna bring the maze and you are gonna be amazed duh let's take a listen to the trailer
0: Hey! What the... Hey baby! Welcome home! What
1: is this? I built a labyrinth. Have you been working on this all weekend? I I'm lost. It's cardboard. I know, but it's much bigger on the inside.
2: I'm going into the maze. No! I don't
0: want you to get lost! Okay, just ignore me. Do what you're doing. Put some music over this. It'll be a montage. It'll be awesome. Can we go in the maze now? Let's go. Go! 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 go. It is bigger. (laughs) (laughs) This
2: place is
1: huge. The (gasps) double. Okay, I think we're good. Get out of here. Follow me. (laughs) Okay, I can explain it. I can explain everything.
2: No, I can't.
1: Instead of trying to defeat the maze, we've got to complete the maze.
2: We're not just doing that because it rhymes.
0: Well, then, how about instead of trying to diminish it,
2: you guys help me finish it? Oh! Yes! Yes!
1: He's back. So, joining me on this next leg of the Halloween Potathon and journeying with me into the dark, deep, dangerous recesses of a cardboard labyrinth. I have two very special guests with me. The first, he is a writer and a musician and a storyteller out of Texas, but whatever you do, do not bring up Lumberjacks. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Mr. Christopher gronblin
0: Hello, Patrick. Yes, indeed. I am all those things and probably more to some people, at but least, I don't. At, at least two other things. Yes. Yeah, at least. But yes, all those good things. And I have a beard. So.
1: What? But well, where's that beard at? Beard on my face. Good answer. Good answer. Yeah. But exactly. wait, but wait, but wait. Before we talk any more about beards, we have yes. one other guest. He is a big, Cuddly scaredy cat who was vying for the position to be the Canadian Doug Shapiro, but beware of his beard because it will eat you, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. The man with the panty dropping voice himself, Mr.
2: Michael Howie. Hello, Patrick Christopher. Get panties right off. (laughs) <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> I said I said it to boxers, so I was hoping to have a but...
1: Well, they worked on my briefs too. They just leapt off of my body through my pants.
2: That's that's the dream.
1: Hello boys. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. And you're very welcome. Thank you for taking part in this whole fundraising experience.
0: It's a good one. I'm uh, happy to be part of it absolutely thank
1: you, thank you thank you and i just want everybody to know that this is michael howie's voice on a bad day
2: i was yes. at a bar last night and it turned out to be a heavy metal bar and i leaned into the fact that no one could hear me by screaming at everyone all night
1: that is not a jeremy thing to do
2: i thought it was really funny though and yeah, at the end of not the day jeremy.
1: that's not that's not jeremy jeremy well, jeremyizing your life what yes. would
2: jeremy do in that situation well, wwe probably eat ice
1: cream Guys, who's Jeremy?
2: Jeremy runs the Cut the Bullshit podcast community and is a podcast guru to whom we
0: all strive to emulate. And he's also a bearded god.
2: Uh Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, we've got a beard trifecta going on here today, boys.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Michael Howie? Where's that beard at?
2: Beard on the face.
1: Where's that beard at? Beard on the face. Beards on my
0: face. (laughs)
1: So the movie that we have decided to talk about is the, oh gosh, I don't have the year in front of me. I'm going to, oh wait, yes, I do. Hold on. I will fix this in post.
2: Post is for wimps. Released on the 18th of August, 2017 in the United States of America. Runtime of one hour and 20 minutes in the adventure comedy horror category. Dave made a maze. I come
0: prepared. Well, damn, Michael.
1: See, no, you don't come prepared to my show, okay? That is not okay. You cannot just read off of IMDb on my show like you're the movie phone guy and think that's going to be okay. Dave Made a Maze came out in 2017. And we picked it because Michael Howie is like Doug Shapiro, a big scaredy cat, and can't watch horror movies.
2: It's not that I can't. It's that everyone in my community then has to deal with the raging nightmares that will occur. So you can't watch horror movies. Well, I can. It just doesn't work out well in the end. Uh huh.
1: Uh-huh. So you're a big scaredy cat in Canada. So you're the Canadian Doug Shapiro. It's a good thing. He's my most popular guest, Michael.
0: All right, I'll take it.
1: Uh huh. Uh huh. And can Michael tap- has a better voice. Can you tap though?
2: Uh, but, but do you mean tapping like that thing you do on your ears, or do you mean like the dancing thing?
1: Tap dancing.
2: Um, I can give it a shot.
1: You're gonna have to step it up if you're gonna be the Canadian Doug Shapiro, just because he's right. a triple threat quadruple threat to be fair so you know uh, so you just okay just let you know the beard is only getting you so far so before we go any further into the movie i should say that both of these boys also have podcasts and so dave we're gonna start with you why don't you tell everybody about
0: not about lumberjacks who's dave <laughs> <laughs> he made the maze and He's the guy who crawled into my head when he was making The Labyrinth. Somehow it connected to my brain, Mr. and made me make a podcast, which is a short fiction thing, mostly monthly, called Not About Lumberjacks, and that's the one thing I promise is you will never, ever hear a story about lumberjacks, except maybe the time. The one Michael-
1: time that Patrick turns- tunes in for <laughs> the very first time.
0: Yeah, or the time that Michael Howie actually uh, narrated. Uh-huh. An episode. So this
1: is what this is, but this also fascinated me. So so I, I tuned in. This is when I first started talking with Christopher, and he said, "Oh, well, I just put out a, a. It's kind of a horror story." I said, "Okay, that's up my alley." So I listened to it, and immediately, I'm like, "Wait a minute, this is at a lumber camp."
0: But it's not about lumberjacks.
1: No, it's not. It was actually about the cook at the lumberjacks. It was about everything but the lumberjacks. So see, they were there. They were there, but it wasn't about them. And I was like, "This is really esoteric." wow, this is heavy. He's working on layers that it's not about lumberjacks, but it is, but it's not, but it is, but it's not like they want to be part of it, but he's not letting them be a part of it. He's almost letting them in.
0: (gasps) Yeah. It's it's like a labyrinth of the mind.
1: It really is. So he pulled that crap on you too, Howie.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. He's
2: like, it's, it's not about lumberjacks. And then the word lumberjack doesn't show up, but it's a, a bunch of rough men with flannel and beards who chop trees and are in the lumber industry? There, are they lumberjacks? No.
0: no, no, no. Couldn't call the show not about lumberjacks. If no, they were they're
1: tree, remo- they're tree removal technicians. Yes.
0: yes. Uh. <laughs> so yes, that's my show. And then we have Michael. Yes, I yeah, do.
1: I'm, I was still on you, but you write all okay, your own. Okay, you that's write all my- your own stories.
0: Yes, I do. No. Yeah, I write all the all my stories and. Narrate most of them. Uh, I do want you to – I actually have a couple ideas for you, Patrick. So oh, we need boy. to like – oh, yeah. I'm even thinking about a not about a story not about Lumberjacks called Lumberjack the Musical, but we'll see what happens with that. That's exciting. Okay.
1: My panties got back on my body, and they jumped off again.
0: There you go. Well, that's great.
1: <laughs> they slithered across the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Crawled yeah. on my leg, reattached themselves, and then ripped themselves off again. It was it, – it, I wish this was a video podcast, except it would be explicit. I think you explicit? should see
2: a doctor about some of those things. Oh, though.
1: oh,
2: oh. Maybe pest control.
1: Oh, uh-huh. Maybe I should go see a vet, Michael Howie.
2: Yeah, that's an <laughs> option.
1: How's that for a segue? And well, I, Michael Howie, let's talk about your podcast.
2: <laughs> I do a podcast
0: about animals, sort of. Wow. am really way to, good at talking way to about it.
1: Way, to, way to sell, Jeremy. <laughs>
0: it's kind of about <laughs> animals, but it's not, and it, it is. is.
2: Yeah, it's not about lumberjacks either. Um, well, actually, I think it might be one time. I did talk about forestry once. Uh, I do an interview podcast on wildlife, environmental issues. Uh, I talk with poli- uh, politicians, scientists, things like that, and help people help the animals.
1: I love that, and I love that you're doing stuff about wildlife because you have an entire ecosystem living in your beard.
2: It's actually trimmed down for summer. I don't know if you've seen it.
1: I have I have seen it. I saw the picture mm-hmm. of the dog pooping in the background. But, yes, it looks, you know what? You can trim it all you like. This guy's beard, I don't know how it happened, but in the cut the bullshit world, his beard is legendary.
2: It got pretty big for a while. There
1: have been folk songs written about his beard. There are movie scripts being written about his beard. Death beard, the beard that eats... Yes. I, I myself was trapped in it for a while. <laughs> we, we had a good time,
2: time though. We had a good time.
1: Oh sure. Oh sure. Well some of those people who've been there for a while are very cranky. They have their own religion. It's very it's very scary in there. It's very children of the corn but with a beard.
2: Yeah. And uh, you know, we have a bit of an ecosystem as you mentioned. We're currently putting together some scholarships to send children out of the beard oh. and <laughs> into uh, the the real world, as they like to call it, Mm. to uh, try and learn more and report back to their families.
1: (laughs) Yes, because there are generations of people living in that beer. Don't ask how it happened. Like I said, don't get too close. Mm -hmm. Don't get too close. It looks all soft and cuddly, but (laughs) then you're in it.
2: That's how it goes.
1: Much like the labyrinth in the movie.
2: Ah, segways are fun. fun.
1: Aren't they fun? Aren't they fun? Aren't I skilled at this? I can't remember either one of your names, but I got got this shit down.
0: (laughs) Dave, Christopher. Sorry,
1: you made me pull up IMDb.
0: (laughs) Hey, I didn't. That was Howie doing. I He
1: was actually reading directly off of IMDb, which he was (laughs) (laughs) was. staring me in the face.
0: Trying to show the host of the show up right in the first couple minutes, whereas I'm a gracious guest. Just remember that, man. Oh, uh, well,
1: yes, I remember. Oh, g- goodness gracious guest. That's what you are. You know, yeah, I, it, I expect makes... a trouble from Howie. Again, he pulls off the whole, oh, I'm Canadian. Everybody likes me. We're really I'm nice sorry. You're just like kind of tromped all over everybody. Uh-huh. Fun
2: factoid from the heavy metal bar. And you'll like this, Christopher. <laughs> walked out of the bathroom and bumped into a guy who was probably six foot four and covered in face tattoos. Oh. We oh. bumped into each other, looked at each other, and at the same time said, sorry.
1: Oh, And, you, <laughs> and then, and you, made and then you made out. And then you made
2: out. Sadly, no.
1: Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> My stories just tend to end on the humorous Canadian tidbits. They, uh, they don't mine always that. end
1: with, and then they made out.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I feel like your stories have an edge on mine
0: (laughs) a bit. Well,
1: Mm -hmm. well, Canadian politeness is always trumped by, you know,
0: gutter talk. Yeah, we won't do that. Neither of us will ever speak like that. No, never ever, never, never. No,
2: no, no, no. You're both good boys. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Tell that to Sister Ruthanne, who made me sit in the garbage can for a week in first grade.
2: What?
0: Damn.
1: Sister Ruth Ann made me sit in the garbage can for a week in first grade because trash belongs in the trash.
2: So huh. I I've heard stories about the American education system.
1: This is ah, but this is the Catholic school system. Oh,
2: that makes sense then.
1: Yeah, that's a whole different thing, and that was still I was at the tail end of kids that could still get beaten.
0: Mm. And I have the
1: knuckle scars to prove
0: it. We had a kid in first grade. Our teacher tied him to a chair, so. Yeah. Yep. and this wasn't Catholic school, so. And in Texas, they just beat the shit out of you.
1: Uh huh. Sometimes, so well, I remember one time. So this kid in high school, this kid got dissected in biology class because he wouldn't stop talking.
0: Yeah, they like opened that them did,
1: up. That didn't happen. Them back. That, that, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. No, they were too busy molesting everybody in high school. What are we talking about that? No, 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 we're not. What we're here to talk about is Dave made a maze. And boys, since you are the guests, it is your job. And you can fight out who's going to do it. You can both do it. You can take turns. Michael Howard probably just trample over everybody and then say I'm sorry afterwards. But it is your job to provide me and the listeners with a nice, succinct 30-second plot summary of dave made a maze the clock starts now
0: okay michael we could throw rocks paper scissors because that's exciting in an audio medium or so there's this guy named dave (laughs) we don't know a lot about him his girlfriend comes home he's in what appears to
2: be a standard cardboard box castle she tries communicating with him and he says he can't come out it's not safe she can't come in So she calls his friend who calls friends who calls friends. And lo and behold, in this apartment in a city much like New York, I imagine they have found this labyrinth that he's created all out of cardboard. And it is absolutely wild what goes on. And I can see why it's classified as a horror,
0: but it's still a little hard. Mm -hmm.
1: Oh. time that was time well done michael Howie.
0: it was pretty oh, good although he didn't mention the flemish tourists oh the flemish tourists
1: okay so dave made a maze. is the first directorial piece by bill waterston and as he said when it was introduced at a film festival hi i'm bill waterston and i directed the fuck out of this movie mm-hmm. and oh boy did he
2: yeah oh yeah is this the same bill
0: waterston from calvin and Hobbes?
1: i don't think so no okay. he's much too young
0: but wouldn't that be hysterical if it were like,
1: no, I would think he'd be able to get funding on things.
0: Yeah. He would just like, yeah. Okay. Let me just open my wallet. Okay. Yeah. This is done. It was so incredibly filmed. Oh yeah. Like they could have
2: done this literally in a New York apartment probably.
1: Well, there's all kinds of stories about how it got made. And the thing that makes this thing amazing, ha ha, ha amazing. See what I did? Uh-huh. What amazing! is that when you're in the maze everything is made out of cardboard mm-hmm. everything and it sounds dumb but it's all this incredibly handcrafted things and they were saying like the sets would only last a few hours because they'd start wilting <laughs> so they had to shoot really fast there was no time to check lighting there was no time to rehearse on set and the fact that it came out as well as it did is amazing because i think it's a hoot
0: oh i was Blown away because, like you said, every little thing, if there's some kind of a trap or something, because it's a labyrinth instead of metal saw blades and stuff, everything's cardboard. And all I kept thinking though was those poor fucking production assistants having to handle all that cardboard and how dry their hands must have ended up.
1: Probably, but what I was reading was that there was always a team, they had volunteers coming from the Cardboard Institute of Technology, which apparently is a thing.
0: Wow. (laughs)
1: They're artists that work primarily with cardboard. So they had all these artists on set all the time who were always building stuff, always making new stuff, always adding stuff, and always there to repair stuff.
2: That's crazy. So you're
1: people people there who love this stuff pouring their work out onto the screen, and it's so fun and so imaginative. And no, it's not a horror movie, but it's got horror movie elements, even though it's never scary because it is all cardboard, but people are dying left and right.
2: Yeah, and that's the thing that's interesting to me about it is... Because it doesn't have over-the-top gore, there's actually more thought given to the fact that this person has just died. And at the same time, they have this cool, I I don't know, I mean, like there's there's elements of it that they try and do sort of like a traditional shot back and forth between the person who's dying and someone else and the reaction. And it has this goofy, but also very, very authentic feel to it.
1: Yeah, Uh, case in point. Well, I mean, we're going to jump around a bit. There's the girl in this who is from Criminal Minds. Yes. Uh, whose name has eluded me, and I'm scrolling down because I'm a horrible host. Uh,
2: Kristen Vangness. Vagsness. Yes,
1: that's the one.
2: Vangness. It's,
1: yeah, she clearly showed up for the day to this part, and she is throwing herself into it. She's super enthusiastic. She's having the best time in this maze until she steps on a trap and gets her head cut off. And this is when I fell in love with the movie because when her head falls off. Oh, yeah. The what happens guys
0: just instead of a gout of like monty pythonish blood it's streamers of red yarn Mm
1: -hmm. Uh uh-huh and confetti it was genius yeah (laughs) and everybody acts like it's blood
0: yeah people are like running i mean people were just terrified rightfully so because again like michael and both of you mentioned one of the Really strong things about the film is how it has the same kind of suspense builds that a you know a lot of that kind of horror has. You know they don't do jump scares or anything. They just do it, and you see the slice, and you think, "Oh no!" And you see the head start to lull forward, and then Uh back, and then all of a sudden, streamers and confetti are shooting everywhere. It's New Year's Eve, (laughs) and they're they're (laughs) acting like they're being like covered in blood and they're screaming and running and it's wonderful
1: uh-huh because to be, be perfectly honest if that did happen he just is horrifying
2: well yeah <laughs> and that's the, the thing is it's not it's not just that like her like she's she's dead and this is weird like but they actually have a conversation about it several it's like, yeah is, 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 is she dead well, I don't know her head fell off
1: no what they said was is she dead or is she an art project yes, yes. yeah <laughs>
2: Well, yeah, and the actual thing that comes, rather than it being like a saw blade, it's like one of those craft cutters Mm -hmm. with the crinkle cut. Did you notice that when it goes across your neck? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I quite enjoyed that.
1: Uh No, the little touches in this make this great. And the fact that once you're in this maze, anything is possible. Mm Mm-hmm. They find themselves with some goofy, goofy things. Well, so let's back up to the beginning of the movie. So we have Dave, who, from what I, you gather, you don't know a lot about him, but you get that he's an artsy type who never finishes anything he starts. Yeah. And while his girlfriend is away for the weekend, he builds this labyrinth in this, this carver labyrinth in the living room and as that he eventually gets trapped in. But what I thought was neat was that the director was saying he had had another script. It was kind of the same script, but it was serious and it was an action film and he hated it. Or actually, I'm sorry, it's the other way around. The scriptwriter had written a script and they were mm-hmm. looking at that. And then, but it took place in a maze and the director told them the story. He's like, well, when I was a kid, I built a, a, a cardboard maze in my in my bedroom, and it was really big, and it took up the whole room. And I went to my friend's house while my mom was out. So anyway, he left a note for his mom saying, I'm going to be at Jimmy's, I'll be back at three. But his mom didn't get the note. (laughs) She didn't see the note. And she thought he was lost in the maze somewhere. He was hiding, and she tore the whole thing up.
0: That's great.
1: And that was the inspiration for this movie. He's like, wait, wait a minute, hold on. Let's see what we can do with this. And this movie came out of that silly story.
0: Well, that's (laughs) cool, because one of the things that struck me is how – it's not a kid-like movie, but the whole premise of, I'm going to build this thing, and then the imagination and just how the thing just keeps going inside. Yeah, It's very kid-like, so that's yeah. actually really a fascinating thing there.
1: Yeah, because not only does he build this maze, and as he says to his girlfriend when he's trapped in it, she's like, well, why don't you just crawl out? He keeps saying, uh, it's a lot bigger inside than it Ooh. looks. And no kidding, is it? Because not only is, is it an actual real-life labyrinth inside, it's taken on a life of its own and it's growing.
2: I like that. They never actually explain a lot no. of those things.
1: No, they don't. They don't have to. Yeah. The, yeah. If it was a studio movie, that would be half the movie. Well, explain like, why.
2: Like in a sci-fi version of this. Absolutely. There would be discussion about what caused it and what it means and so on and so forth. But with this, they're like, Oh, we're in here and we need to get out. And it's bad that we're in here and people are dying. So now we panic. And they kind of, there's a bit of discovery, but the whole thing is like, yeah, it's a labyrinth in the living room Uh-huh. made of cardboard, but uh-huh. that's what the problem is here.
1: Yeah. And what I love is, is like, of course, his girlfriend is like, what are you talking about? She's, oh, yeah. She's like, I'm calling some of your friends and she calls and she's like, uh, okay, just want to let you know that Dave is lost in a cardboard maze in my living room and he can't get out. So she's recognizing that it's absurd. Everybody knows that it's absurd, but it's happening. But the thing is, his friends show up. He's like, just them, just them, just Gordon just gordon just gordon just gordon but no she invites everybody and not only they bring a search party but the problem is that it's not just a search party it's a search party
0: Mm -hmm. yes
1: people are so excited about this and they've brought friends and they've brought friends and they've brought friends they're just thanks for upping the body count everybody
0: yeah, they pick up a homeless guy along the way because it's like, we figured he knew something about cardboard. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Flemish tourists. Well, got sure. mention them.
1: Yeah, so everybody is like super hipster and super cool. The main two friends are who I mentioned, Gordon and Leonard. And Gordon is played by Adam Bush. And I knew I knew the name, but I had to look at IMDb because I did not recognize him because he had something on his face. What was on his face? Beard. beard is on my face. Beard's on his face. Was, but...
2: Where's the beard?
0: The beard's, beard's on, on my face. face. Yeah. See, and they didn't explain. I, that's what I loved. It's like, yeah. here's an obvious inside joke between friends, and they never explain it. They just, hey, where's the beard? Where's that beard at? Beard's, beard's on, on my, my face. face. Where's that beard at? The beard's on my face. I said,
2: where's that beard at? I said, the beard's on my face. What'd you say? I said, the beard's on my face. Said?
1: Said the on my face. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Uh-huh. but adam bush you'd probably know horror fans you know him as warren from buffy the vampire slayer he's the big bad motherfucker shot tara man we hate him willow skinned his ass
0: oh yeah yeah, yeah. and he's just such like a nerdy guy with like a game t-shirt but was he on his own shirt by the I end thought
1: of, so. No, no, because I actually rewatched. I caught that at the end that the T-shirt on at the end was of himself. It's some generic video game character at the beginning.
0: Okay, that's so what over the course
1: thought. of the movie. I guess because he became a hero of some sort, that now he's got a video game T-shirt of himself. That they, again, they don't point out and they don't explain, but it's little touches like that. Yes, that I, this is the f- maybe the fifth time I've seen this movie and I never caught that before.
2: Hmm. There's a I got to think there's a lot of little things in there that if you watch it and you watch it and you watch it, you're going to pick up on something else each time.
1: Yeah, I'm guessing that, too, because every frame is packed, filled with visual information.
2: You know, it reminds me, though, the way they go room to room reminds me of uh, the cube.
1: Oh, I love Um, cube.
2: Yeah, that's that's a wonderful Canadian indie horror film.
1: Yeah, yes, it's about math
2: uh yeah <laughs> it's about math
1: it is about um, math and i love it it's a brilliant movie
2: but it's just the way that it's sort of okay we're in this room and there's a problem that has to be solved and then we move on to the next room and there's a problem that has to be solved
1: yeah and maybe someone gets their head cut off
2: yeah well that's just a given
1: well just tying it into the cube that there's also date it's not just there's a problem we have to solve but we have to have to solved this problem that might kill one of us or all of us
2: well, I mean that's a real life problem for me. Every time I go somewhere with a group of people, it's like oh, which you can't one of go those?
1: anywhere without a group of people because they live in your beard, Michael well, Howie.
2: External people too, though. You know, like we oh, we're, we, oh,
1: exter- we're external people now, Chris. Yeah, yeah, we're, head- we're external people now.
2: But you go into a coffee shop and you're like, oh, there's four of us. One of us is probably going to get like their head chopped off or amputated somehow.
1: Well, you know, if you don't get you don't get the right foam, man. Yeah. Too much foam. Someone going to kill your ass.
2: Exactly. And that's why I drink yep. my coffee black. <laughs> it's a safety issue. Mm-hmm. Nick Thune. Nick I Thun As Dave. Yeah. Yes. I, I didn't know he did. I'm familiar with his comedy. Uh, I didn't know he had done any acting, though. And looking at IMDb, he's done a fair bit.
1: Yeah, he's uh, done bit parts and lots of things.
2: But when the movie started and I was looking at him and I, I download a lot of stand-up comedy to listen to through streaming services... Uh, like Google Play's got a ton of stuff on it. And I've heard all of his albums. So when he started talking, I was looking at him and going, I know that voice. I know oh, okay. that voice. And it okay. just took a few seconds for it to click in. And then I verified that it was Nick Thune. Nice. But he was surprisingly good for what it was. Like, I, 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 when I realized it was Nick Thune, I went, eh. Like, knowing his stand up, mm-hmm. it's very, very straight man.
1: Yeah. He's not, no, he's, he's one of the few people not playing comedy. Yeah. Most of the time.
2: Yeah, and he's just, throughout the movie, just like, you know, good for you. Mm -hmm. He plays the role right.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in this search party, we also have a documentary film team.
2: Yes, I love them. (laughs) Which, as
1: you know, know, horror movie fans, that the most dangerous job to have in the world today, based on horror movies, is a documentary filmmaker. You're not going to make it to the end of the movie. just not.
0: Nope. Because
1: nope. every fucking found footage movie is about some documentary filmmaker who's died, decided to go to some stupid house, blah, 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 blah. Nobody lives. That's the rule
0: and just well i mentioned before we started recording that i adore james urbaniak so the fact that he's like the director was so perfect i mean somebody just loses their head and you know he's doing the whole okay now sit down tell me how you feel about yeah. that uh-huh. that kind wait, of you,
1: thing. wait can we react to, can we get another reaction to her head falling off just as a safety
0: yeah <laughs> it's like can we get a different angle i mean it was just like hey i'm in the maze i may as well
1: yeah this was my introduction to James Urbaniak although immediately afterwards I discovered him on Difficult People also on Hulu and he's a treat very dry very dry comedy which was great for this particular role because they the documentary film crew is one of the more absurd things among the maze explorers yet he's so dry he makes it work in the hands of another comedian it would have been too much
0: yes absolutely I also loved uh, Frank
2: caddy is that how you say his name the uh, uh
1: sure that boom operator
2: yeah uh like and that that boom, trio.
1: Operator, boom Yeah, boom operator <laughs> i'm gonna get sued if i sing anymore
2: yeah you Good. get 14 seconds of that so yeah
1: not by not by the music companies just in general people like stop saying yeah it's
2: like <laughs> no, 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 uh well there's the fair use lawsuit sir and then there's the traumatic uh damages <laughs> lawsuit.
1: Well, you know, I, you know, i like to call myself, well, you know, there was the Marquis de Sade. I'm the Marquis de Sade. It's spelled the same, pronounced differently. So there you go. It's all torture. I'm sorry, Sade, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I love you. You're brilliant. You're a genius. Keep it up.
2: The trio of the film crew was amazing. Yes. And it largely in part because the, the boom operator and the cameraman, I think the boom operator has like a couple of lines, and so does the cameraman.
1: the cameraman. Cameraman only has one.
2: Yeah, at the near the end, right?
1: At the very end, his last. Yeah. Day, his,
2: yeah. yeah. <laughs> you <fuck> my
0: wife. She <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> fucked my wife. Did you fuck my wife? Yeah, you know, raging bull thing. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, but the, yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that Which was just, makes sense
1: in context.
2: Yes. <laughs> um, because they all just it. I don't know. It's just it's they rely so much on like a physical silent comedy. Yeah. And it's just, it's another layer in this absolutely absurd journey they're on. Uh-huh. Uh, it just makes it so much fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I've heard a lot of people complaining that, you know, it's too hipster or like the dialogue's terrible and I don't get it. I think it's perfect. Like if it was anything else, if it was more about, you know, we have to figure out what this is about and getting to the heart of the problem. then it would be a totally different movie. And the fact that everybody is so kind of aloof about everything makes it work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the little everything, I mean, down to the whole, you know, you know that Dave is a loser and they could have hammered on the whole theme of he never finishes anything that he just built it because he wanted to other things that were truly hipster would have just hammered that and been like, okay, we, we get it. You mentioned yeah. that eight times and yeah, you know, it, it's, we, we get it
1: enough play that he, out. yeah, that we get it that he's this frustrated artist and he just wanted to do something to do something. I'm going to do something this weekend. I'm going to finish it and it's going to be great mm-hmm that's my one goal and the fact that it turned into this whole other thing is an incidental thing he, all he still wants to do is just finish the maze
2: yeah yeah and that's again it's it, when, it, like in the the improv classes i've been taking one of the things they talk a lot about is staying true to your character yeah. and when you come up against a wall or you don't know what to do just like you pick out that one defining trait or that yeah. one opinion and lean into it yeah and that comes out a lot in this. And I think that's what you say. It's like, uh, so Dave, like he just wants to finish making The Labyrinth and the director just wants to finish doing the interviews and getting the thing. And Annie yeah. just wants Dave to come out. Yeah, uh, I don't know what Gordon wants. He just seems to be along for the ride. Uh, but they, they just, they stay true to who they are yeah. in spite of the fact, again, that they're in this massive massive cardboard labyrinth inside a small apartment
1: uh-huh it's this completely absurd situation that can't possibly be happening yeah and the fact that everybody accepts it really quickly is totally fine with me
2: yeah i think if they try i, I agree if they try to explain or they try to do anything existential it would have just totally derailed the whole film
1: mm-hmm.
2: absolutely i agree Although i gotta say too i absolutely adore scott Krinsky's character
1: uh, okay, uh, uh, yeah, Leonard, the one who kind of got stuck outside for a while.
2: Yeah, so he, his big thing was trying to come up with a funny um, yes. tell-me-about-Dave thing.
1: Yeah, for the, for the, for the um, documentary.
2: Yeah, uh, and then he, I don't know what happened to him, he just wandered off, and then he comes in afterwards and just starts wandering through the labyrinth behind everyone else. Uh huh. And it, they cut to him a few times, and he's just wandering around looking at things. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting.
1: Yeah.
0: And then they cut away from him again.
1: Yeah. I thought he'd have a bigger payoff.
0: I did too. Cause, you know, there's a scene where they're like in that certain place where there's like temptations and he's looking mm-hmm. at the women dancing behind the screen and, uh-huh. you know, and you're thinking, okay, this is how he's going to die. Yeah. And then it's just kind of like, all right, well, <laughs> okay, guess not.
1: Yeah. Oh, well. But still, it's a minor point. It's a minor character. It doesn't throw mu- that much off. And it, he's, he's fun for what he is. And he does have a great death.
2: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that felt like a, an homage to uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There were, there were a few nods along the way. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's definitely this big Star Wars nod towards the beginning. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, and what am I talking about? Uh, I'm asking you guys. You don't know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about that room that's almost like the trash compactor room. Oh, oh right, yes, right, right. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, totally. When, yeah, the room with the face, and with suddenly
1: the big tiki face. Yeah,
0: yeah. And is that where they found somewhere they like found the the, the paper dick? Was the it paper in dildo? There? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. It was just like, okay, there you go. That's you know, because you're sitting there and you're thinking, oh yeah, this is like the trash compactor and it's gonna get really bad and they start kind of rooting around down there and it's like something's gonna pop up and then it's just like comes up and and there was a line earlier about somebody was talking about a big veiny dick so it was like
1: oh oh that yeah that was because well it's it's well, something that leonard said he's like well i'm just glad that you know <laughs> whatever you're doing this project this way instead of you know, going over to Kickstarter and sucking a big feiny dick.
0: That's right. Yeah. So it's like Kickstarter
1: works. (laughs) So yeah, if it
2: was how Kickstarter works, I'd have so much more money right now. Thank
1: you. Me too. I'd have all the money. I'd be rolling in it.
0: (laughs) But sadly, (laughs) people get paid to do this. What? (laughs) Yeah. Hey, what?
1: Oh, Jesus. Why why did nobody tell me this before? Oh no. Um...
2: Speaking of which, Mira Rohit Kambani is going to be my third and or fourth wife.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She plays Annie, Dave's girlfriend, her his long-suffering girlfriend, who mm-hmm. is just such a peach during all this. She's, she's – she, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. she's And she's doing the, yes, I'm going to support you.
1: And I'm going to support your stupid movie. Uh,
2: and making the uh, uh, the sandwiches.
1: Yes.
0: And it's, dropping – Yeah.
2: Like, just, it's, it's funny. It's just, it's because it's such a, again, it is in the face of this absolutely absurd situation. She's still being the, I love him, even though he's flawed.
1: Yeah. She's the rock. Yeah. Yeah. It was not, 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 not Dwayne, the rock Johnson. She's the rock of the relationship. She's the rock of the movie. Mm -hmm. She's the one person who's you. She's, she's, she's the viewer in all of this.
0: Yeah, and she's, she's so. Saying,
1: Why don't we just cut our way out? Why can't they just <laughs> cut their way out? Why can't they just cut their way out?
0: Because the whole thing's alive, and it just keeps growing. And he started building from the center, and it just keeps expanding.
1: Right. So you could cut through a wall, but instead of going to the room where you just were, it's an entirely different room. Or you might have just come in from the outside. You can cut through the wall, and it's not the outside anymore. You're right. in there. All rules are off yes and my personal favorite part well i have two but the second moment when i fell in love with the movie again is when they jump down that tube and they have that wonderful little oh, scene of them like clanking Craig, down the tube Craig. like indiana yeah. jones style clank, clank clank. but when they come out they're inexplicably the fandango paper bag puppets mm-hmm.
0: yes absolutely <laughs>
2: Is this permanent?
0: I don't no, know. It's here. <laughs> the guy, what Gordon said
1: was like, well, I suppose this was bound to happen at some point.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're just these puppets, and there's we should probably mention at this point, you know, that there's a minotaur chasing oh, them. Oh, that's
1: <laughs> right. That the big bad in this is that you can't have a labyrinth without,
0: without a minotaur. Yeah, it's
1: it's hunting them down. And i going to get you the Minotaur will.
2: And it's the the actor uh, I, whose name I can't recall right now is a former
0: wrestler, I think. Uh, he is he a is- Lucha Libra wrestler. He's been uh, I'm, I won't go on about wrestling because I can just go on about wrestling a bit too long. But yes, very skilled Jack wrestling lumberjack wrestling that might happen this november his name, on is, not about, his name
1: is john hennigan which does not sound like a luchador but okay
0: but he is a luchador yeah uh, it's crazy and he is cut so he's actually in uh, glow i discovered is he? um yes christopher have you heard of that show no i have not watched both seasons pretty much the nights that they came out and can then I tell
1: you, can i tell you sidebar really quickly absolutely my, my cat loves globe
0: well smoochies whenever
1: gotta... the women are fighting she is she will hop up next to the tv set and start swatting at the screen huh. she's 35 <laughs> pounds for her to hop up all the way on top of my dresser is a huge feat for her but for some reason there's something about that show and women wrestling
2: that's interesting but, that is great
1: well i've always said that she in in, in, the, in the history that i've written for her that she did you know after she was kicked out of new orleans high society for a tryst, <laughs> <laughs> with a vagrant that she rose back to prominence as a roller derby queen. I can see it. Yeah, that's how she got back to glory. So yeah, so she's a big girl. So. The fact that my cat loves that show is great. So is he one of the brothers?
2: John uh, No, 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 no. He's in the first. I think he's only in the first episode. Oh, he is the coach, the wrestling coach.
1: Oh, okay. Okay, but no, he is cut and he is ripped, and yep. yeah, he's not made out of cardboard, but his head is.
0: Yeah, his head is total cardboard.
1: And his feet are paint cans.
0: <laughs> I love the blood prints and like yes, when they they discover it's like, you know, uh, Minotaur prints. Yeah. You know, and they're just yeah, they're totally. Well, no, again, they, it's just, so it's
2: bryn has been killed, and her body is missing. No, it's not
1: Brent. It's that other guy. It's the guy with the hat.
2: Well, didn't they get killed together?
1: No. Oh, Brent. No, no, no. They didn't get killed together. Because Brent came came running back and said that he's dead, and they went looking for the
2: body. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, because then she's the cardboard lady. Well, we'll come back to that. Yes.
0: So anyway. Yeah, but but that 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 moment, Greg,
2: uh,
0: just Brent and Greg were just like the perfect little hipster couple because – Gross. He looks like he should have been in like OK Go or something. I mean, just
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what? I think he is in OK Go or something.
0: See, because when I saw it, I didn't look it up, but I was like, that looks just like that dude. I mean, down to like, let's just just come in how you dress for a video shoot, and I start now. I'm like sitting there going crazy and thinking, as clever as this movie is, and as clever as their movies or their videos are now i'm wondering now i've got to look that up after this or michael's probably looking it up right now being the good journalist i don't hear typing but i'm looking at pictures of stephanie allen
1: he might be buffering with his beard who
0: (laughs) stephanie (laughs) allen who who plays plays brin Brin. his
1: girlfriend yes they're not long for this world no No, they were not
2: it's funny though yeah because it's uh when the the they say oh minotaur prince it's like And I think it was Gordon who then explains, oh, Minotaur, yeah, lives in the labyrinth and it eats people. Yeah. And they
1: all went, okay.
0: Yeah. They
1: they all accepted that as the answer. It is the answer, but the fact that nobody argued, that's ridiculous. No, nobody argues that at all because even then at this point, they're all like, "Uh uh-huh.
2: You know what? I think this whole movie was actually just one giant long-form improv scene with amazing set decoration
1: it's not it's not
2: <laughs> but as it's again not. it's just when something insane happens there's a reaction and then it's yes and now yes. we move on to the next room
1: exactly everybody's yes ending like yeah. hell
2: absolutely
1: yeah, this script is one big yes and but uh what i was going to say i was going to talk about my favorite part of the movie oh i, I talked about that where they started the puppets i love that i love the fact that there is a wall
0: yes the wall thing it's like uh, because, yeah.
1: you know, after I saw that movie Mother, okay. the one that everybody hated, that had a floor gina.
2: I haven't seen that one, but yeah. it looked scary.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, it was scary, so Michael wouldn't
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a floor gyna in it. And I said, I would love a floor gyna, but I'd be afraid I'd be stepping on it all the time. But the wall gina is much more convenient. Yes. Except for the fact that if you look into it for too long, it hypnotizes you and turns you into cardboard. So,
2: What was that whole bit they did? And it, it was like a family guy bit where it's like, okay, they did that joke. And now they're doing the joke again. And now they're doing the joke again.
1: That's Comedia Del Arte.
2: And now they're doing the joke again. Uh-huh. And it's every single person who walks upstairs at it, starts to step forward. And the next person in the line goes, no, yeah. it's a trap.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then finally, Dave reveals that he obviously put his hand in the vagina because he has a cardboard hand.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that was what that was just it was a strange comedic break yeah of just no it's a trap
1: of course it is it's a wall it's a I, lesson for you straight men stay away from them they'll turn your penises <laughs> to cardboard
2: I can think
0: of All worse ways layers. to go <laughs> <laughs> but um, that that scene and then there was the other like kind of trippy scene where it was them you know and their their clothes kept changing and then they were like in cardboard clothes
1: yeah well, that was kind of the heart. Yeah, that was out there, but I, I got it. I'm like, this is yeah. a relationship in a nutshell. This is actually yes. where this is coming from. Because mm-hmm. like, his, co- his costumes are always like a clown yep. or a bum was- or hobo, and hers were getting and more princessy always- and in power yes. and a judge and all these things. So he just feels inferior to her. And that's also where this is all coming from. I yeah, feel like and- I'm losing her too. I yeah. need to finish something or I'm going to lose her.
2: But then the really – that was a very emotionally well done scene. Yeah. Uh, and what was beautiful when it, they,
1: when they started pulling off the costumes and they were paper too.
2: Yes. That was um, genius.
1: And and the, the room around them was turning to paper. Yeah. Yes. And, and then she
2: reaches crazy. over. I think it's the last time he changes into something. Yeah. She reaches over and pulls off his costume. Yeah. And they're smiling at each other and making eyes at each other. And it's her sort of being like, I don't care Yeah, how you see yourself. Yeah. This is how I see you.
1: Right, and also the big dialogue exchange that kept getting repeated there. Again, Comedia Del Arte style. It's yes. like, so what are you going to do today? The usual, oh, big, you know, whoop to do that sort of thing. That yeah. keeps getting repeated. So what are you going to do today? The usual, nothing. Different. But when she asked him that last time, he goes, so she's like, what are you going to do today? The usual, he goes, not this time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah. So, I mean, that's a good little scene. And it shows, well, that was the, from the very beginning. It, I thought, thought it was touching because, you know, she's like, okay, most people would be like, Get out of the box you fucking idiot. Yeah. And, but she's like, okay, whatever, he obviously needs it and I'll uh-huh. give him this little bit of time. And then when she starts shaking on the box and she hears all that mechanical noise, it's like, all right, something is up here, but
1: Yeah, and when he starts screaming to stop doing that. <laughs> yeah. She, she knows there's something wrong on some level that she's hurting him in some
2: way. And again, when she does that at the beginning, and it's I think it's all the sci-fi that I consume. I start thinking, well, how are they going to explain this? And then they don't, and it's wonderful. Uh-huh. It just is. It's accepted. Uh huh. There's a labyrinth in the living room, and Dave's lost in the middle of it. Uh huh. Uh huh.
1: And she even said at a certain point, she just says, like in the maze, she goes, "This is also stupid." Yes. And he goes, "Not from in here." Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's all about your perspectives in this movie. And speaking of which, my other favorite scene. They play a lot with forced perspectives in this, but there's a whole room that's oh, like yes. a carnival of forced perspectives. Nothing is what it looks to be.
0: Yeah, and absolutely. It's so much fun.
1: It looks like it's this little fun little tea service table set out and nothing is the right size of what you think Ooh. it is or in the place that you think it is or works the way you think it does. And it's so much fun.
0: Yeah, you think there's that like picture on the wall and somebody steps in front of it and you realize it's right up on the camera. right. And- you know, just all that whole scene and how the the going back to the camera crew when they kind of poke out and then they come out of that other side and then they're yeah, yeah that that scene I love that scene.
1: Uh huh. I was clapping like a little kid the first time. So i was like ah do it again. <laughs> it's like it's one big magic trick. Yes. And it, in a big budget movie, they'd be like, yeah, 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 we'll just CGI it all, but no, they didn't. So.
0: Well, and that that's one of the things that kept hitting me was all the practical effects and just cause uh, you know, just the other night I went and watched 2001 space odyssey yes, on IMAX. On yes. And you know, I was sitting there and it's actually kind of funny that I'm comparing these two movies, but the set design in 2001 has always blown me away and just how everything is practically done. Uh-huh. And then, you know, I'm sitting there watching the movie last night and I'm just like, you know, there is, I was thinking the exact same thing in that room. It's like, if this were a bigger budget thing, they would have generated, you know, they would have totally had CGI on all this and it would have lost that magic.
1: Uh-huh. Because I was kept, like I was clapping like a little kid at a magic show. Yeah. Absolutely ecstatic with everything that I was seeing. And since you brought up 2001, they do have what the cast called the Kubrick hallway in the maze.
0: Yes, What's that? that
1: one, the one that looked like a space station hallway. Oh, yeah. They have a couple of scenes there. Apparently, that was the most difficult one to keep up. Like, it lasted about two hours.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: So they got everything done on that set, which they used a lot in two hours. And, of course, everything was designed to collapse as well. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it was, you know, I mean, it's, again, just seeing both of those movies so close together, they're both beautiful. I mean, just yeah. a little scene and there's the scene when he goes into the sort of hexagonal room with all of the holes in it where the light is. And just the sound of him just sitting back and leaning. It's, yeah. The sound design, everything about the movie is its actually, like you said, it makes you feel like a little kid. And it's a magical movie.
1: Right. And the other technique they use quite a bit of is stop motion. And he said specifically, I want to do it stop motion and for real stop motion because that's hand done. Yes. I want everything to be handmade. And they, and they pulled it off. And I lo- the stop motion stuff works really well as well. It, of course, it looks fake. It looks like stop motion, but it should. In this world, that's exactly what it should look like.
0: Absolutely.
1: No, this movie is an absolute treat. I love it. But, you know, at the end of it all, when everybody was, cr- the survivors are crawling out of the maze, there were no Flemish tourists because apparently the Flemish tourists had no problems whatsoever in the maze. We see them at some point towards the end having a lovely picnic.
0: Yeah, I was going to, I was telling my wife that this morning. It's just like, and there there are a couple people who are following the group and then it just cuts to the Flemish tourists just sitting in a room, having, you know, a little snack and, you know, then yeah, at the end when it collapses, it's like, they're not there. <laughs> okay. And yeah, where these there are a few people missing at the end.
1: I'm guessing that since, uh, Gordon led the Minotaur through them past that, maybe the Minotaur got them. That's what I'm going to go with. Yeah. I, but I love everything about this movie. I love the animated intro and outro. That was a ton of fun yeah. as well. Yeah, those case-
2: those little things. And that, I, well, did we watch um, Sword in the Stone not long ago? Okay. Uh, the, the old, old Disney animated one.
1: Not one of my favorites, but yes.
2: Uh, that's because you're a bad person. But- I know I am
1: a bad person. It's the music. I don't like the music. I don't uh, like the period of, of Disney's music.
2: Well, you know what? I didn't know that the way they used to do that is like we watched the feature. It was like two old Jewish guys in New York with a piano, write Like three songs and then pitch it to Disney. Oh, okay. and they build the movie out around that.
1: Oh, all right. Yeah.
2: It's very interesting anyway. Um, and I, uh, I loved the intros and outros though. The, the, yes. the, the pre-credits and the post-credits because yeah. they put an effort into it.
0: Mm-hmm. And it told story.
2: Yes. It
1: did tell the story and it also set the tone that you're in for something fun and imaginative. Yep. No maybe not take this so seriously as you would.
0: Y- yeah, if, absolutely.
1: You know, I can't think of if Michael Bay made this movie, there'd be a lot of explosions.
2: <laughs> Michael Bay made that movie They made
1: an exploding maze.
2: <laughs> it would just the charm is what makes the movie work. Yeah. Like I think, you, like everything you're talking about with the set design is is remarkable. The actors are perfect, but the the feeling of just it's a charming experience, uh-huh. and it's a little bit crazy and it's a little bit creepy, but overall, like you watch it and you just kind of I don't know I feel good watching yeah,
1: that. I uh, absolutely. It's a even though there's a body count, it's still a feel good movie.
0: Yeah. That's, yeah
1: which is hard to pull off yes especially when you have the cardboard lady scene
0: i was just gonna say let's talk which about is, <laughs>
1: this is the first and really only scene that even reaches towards straight up horror
2: hmm but five. it was also yeah high it was five. that's high they, five <laughs> but they still littered it with comedy
1: yeah which made it creepier yes yes <laughs> yeah well they stumble on this room and in it is their friend Bren, who's dead. We saw her got killed by the, get killed by the Minotaur, except now she's made of cardboard and she's being operated by strings and she really, really wants a high five. Hey guys. Hey,
2: <laughs> Bren.
1: Hey, high five.
2: No, don't, 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 don't. Dave, did you build a cardboard, Bren?
1: Hey, high five. Hey, Bren.
2: I thought you were dead.
1: <laughs> no way
2: i'm fine where are we headed what are we up to come over here and talk to me high five
0: yeah and it's like and that tension it's like is anybody actually gonna touch her don't touch her no do not whatever
1: you do do not give her that high five
0: (laughs) and just she'll be talking she'll be like you know going on about something with this demonic voice and then it's just like high five five. Yeah. (laughs) yeah And then eventually that high five, the hand.
1: Oh, you know, I didn't realize that that giant hand was asking for a high five.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that kind of threw me through a loop
2: that it was this weird demon hand.
1: Uh huh. I think it was the Minotaur's hand because they they show the Minotaur's hand later on in the movie. And it's the same design.
2: Then why was the Minotaur hand so big there?
1: Because it's the labyrinth, because that room was small. They got small.
2: I need you to apply some style. kind of logic <laughs> to a scene in this film, so.
1: Okay, no, sorry, no, can't yeah. help you, can't help you. And I guess the hobo just ate their food and left.
2: Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a joke that got left on the cutting room floor. Yeah. Like, yeah, they started no out with the hobo just eating and hanging out and making himself a
0: cup of coffee.
1: And he's the only one who doesn't go in the maze.
0: Yeah, and then he's just, yeah, you're right, he's just gone. And you know that, the, yeah, I think you're right, Michael, there has to be some cutting room stuff where he's like looking through their stuff or something because yeah. you could have revealed even more about the characters and then maybe they were just like, you know, this is just charming enough as it is and people get it and ultimately they're going to have to build something together to help finish this. Yeah. And we don't need the hobo. It's funny enough just seeing him eating their food. Uh-huh. But now, damn it, I want to see if there's a bunch of behind the scenes.
1: The hobo hooked up with the Flemish tourists. Yeah. Having a threesome somewhere.
0: That's
2: nice. Good for them.
1: Good for them. Right on. Right on. Um, What was I just about to say? I had something and it's gone. Oh, well.
2: There was no clowns.
1: There's no clowns.
0: That seems kind of surprising to me. There was well one yeah actually well yeah there were no clowns like as creatures but there was the clown costume in the scene where they were Yeah yeah, yeah so yeah. No. That, that doesn't count But yeah there were no scary clown. Clown. you know
1: cuz Dave isn't scary Dave isn't going to be a scary clown he'll be a clown that can't finish his act
0: But Brynn was scary enough. I mean, that was was terrifying. Yeah, Yeah. she was absolutely. That was like the only thing where it was like, okay, this is actually a very well done creepy scene.
1: High five. High five. (laughs) High five.
0: Where's the beard? Why do you
1: want high five? Because it's what man does. High five. Come on, guys. High five. No.
0: No. I heard Michael say it. So beards on my face. Beards on my face. (laughs) Beards on my face. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The Brynn thing was just so weird. (laughs) <laughs> and then they're like trying to interview her too. oh yes
1: that's right yeah yeah the film well, uh, right. well well dave and annie are out trying to find the center of the maze and find a place for the chrysalis which they figure out if
0: yeah if dave
1: yeah. builds a heart to the maze then we can finish the maze so he has to find a place to, whatever it gets a little fuzzy there for me but it doesn't matter
0: it got fuzzy for me too but still you know they, like, that
2: was that was that again, that's why one of the reasons to me it feels improvy is because it's we've gotta figure out a way to finish this
0: yeah
1: right like, it, like, i i I don't know unless okay. you diminish this
2: was that yeah
1: unless you diminish this
0: i i okay. I'm
1: rhyming it's
0: a joke Americans find it funny, Michael I, okay. I know it's oh, hard for Canadians to understand people on earth really like it <laughs> um sorry eh.
1: The people in your beard are like, are they're rolling? They're rolling on the. Oh, okay,
2: well, as long as they're happy, as they're rolling they're happy. in your roots. All right. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember now. Something about the chrysalis, or yeah. So it just felt like, okay, well, we need to finish. Like we need to give this uh, a climax and conclusion. So uh, let's make a chrysalis. Yes, to build this thing and then destroy it. Yeah. Um, although that felt that was the only time for me that it felt like we are inserting a metaphor into this. Uh, with yeah. the power of his imagination, he can determine yeah. when things end.
1: Well, he's the only one who can. It would make sense he would be the only one who can.
2: Yeah, i just say it's the only part that felt forced, is what uh-huh. I'm saying, where it's uh-huh. very yeah. much a, okay, we need to do something, so let's make this obvious metaphor and uh, wrap it
0: up. Yeah, it's like the production crew is tired of like paper cuts from cardboard. They just want to end it.
1: And just so you know, just so everybody knows, the entire set was recycled.
2: Oh, that's good.
1: It was made from recycled cardboard. The whole set was recycled. They initially were getting everything from an American mail store until American Mail then wanted money for their recycled cardboard that they were throwing out. (laughs) And then some other companies stepped up, so they didn't pay anything for any of the sets.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you're the company, I mean, they went through a lot of cardboard.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so, so for the people who are worried about it being green, it was an extremely green movie. <laughs>
0: um, no,
2: 30,000 feet of cardboard and 3,000 glue sticks. I'm just <laughs> say, I am wanted to see what the budget was. I'm trying to find something out oh, of the internet. They, you
1: will not find that out. Really? Nope. They, he's, uh, they have chosen to keep that under wraps. Huh. They all just laugh when people ask. Yeah. And <laughs> say, you'll never guess.
2: And it must have been pretty damn small then.
1: It might have been. Like, I think, uh, Christopher, you said you were involved with this somehow, or you, you knew about it from a Kickstarter or something? or.
0: Um, no, I wasn't. Uh, I had followed the production of okay, it. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah, because yeah, I saw something about it when, I mean, I don't know if it even started out as a Kickstarter, but... I remember seeing something about well, it. Well, then would be sucking a lot
1: of dicks, but there'd be a lot. Of- yeah, they'd be
0: sucking <laughs> a lot of big veiny, big dicks. veiny
1: dicks. Yeah, yeah, because
0: yeah, you got to make sure that they're not just big dicks, but big veiny,
1: veiny be- dicks. dicks yes. yes. Please
0: continue. But, but yes, so I had been obsessed with the movie for some time, and then when it came out, I was like, "Oh, I've got to see it." And then I have a bad habit of not. So when well, you were <laughs> like, "Oh, well, the movie we're going to be watching is Dave Made a Maze," I was like yes finally i go, i'm gonna see this because i had been following like behind the scenes stuff on youtube all these little things but i never saw anything about a budget or no. anything like that
1: no well chris it's not out there i mean we had to go to hulu yeah it's not on netflix it's not on amazon you can't buy a dvd of this anywhere
0: which
2: is really surprising because it is a great film
1: it's fantastic yeah
2: I and am really surprised a larger company hasn't picked it up for distribution.
1: I don't get it. I don't get anything about Hollywood. I just yeah, don't.
0: One I those know things so many I...
1: movies that are fantastic that, you know, either my friends have made that are just sitting and rotting unnoticed that are tons better than what's getting released, but whatever. They don't have the right connections.
0: Well, just the three of us with our majestic beards talking about it is going to make sure that it's now going to become a sleeper hit.
1: Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Of
0: course. Everybody's going to be like, Well, these three guys with beards and those three beards cannot touch because if they ever mingle, that's it.
2: Mm, True.
0: It would be like a rat king or something, but with our beards. Or it would be like bringing together three
2: parts of a Triforce device that would actually end all of time.
1: That's really weird.
2: Yeah, and that's why we can't do it.
1: No, all of my underwear just jumped out of my drawer and jumped onto my body. (laughs) (laughs)
2: oh crabs aren't a joke though people get (laughs) but they're
1: delicious very small though
2: (laughs) the per pound price is going through the roof
1: (laughs) gross gross thank you for using an american weight for that Mm. otherwise my listeners wouldn't understand
2: i I know canadian dollars per kilogram
1: god. Keep your loonies in your toonies, all right?
0: Yeah, going to strip clubs isn't fun anymore.
1: No, clank, 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 clank. Cl- cl-
0: <laughs> it's like, hey, I got a bunch of beavers. Because uh, uh. you have coins with beavers on them, right, Michael? Come on, those, yeah, I, those are nickels. Okay. I, well, that's all I would have, you know. Right, money wait, nickels? So. Nickels. Oh,
1: sorry, I didn't understand you through your beard. Where's that beard, that?
0: <laughs> on my face. Okay. Beards Don't on my
1: face. It. Just checking. Just checking. You gotta keep keep tabs on the beards, man.
2: <laughs> uh, it's all gone horribly wrong. I had, I had a
1: valid point to make and I don't remember what it is now oh well I guess it's beyond the point now I cannot recommend this movie enough I think it's fantastic and if that's what I was going to say it's almost suitable for kids yeah and le- there's you know, no well, language in it that I can yeah, think
2: of I can't think of anything at least nothing overt
1: no nothing nothing extreme or anything like that and the violence is all cartoon yeah I mean, I mean okay the there's, there's, a, there's a paper dick
2: but you—that's—they don't even make a big thing about it. No, because well,
0: it it's, c-
1: it. it's not even veiny.
0: Yeah, mm. it, it's just this paper it's a dick.
1: Paper. It's a paper. He just kind of holds it, and I didn't catch that until this time around. I've seen this movie several times now.
2: You didn't catch the dick, or you didn't catch that it wasn't veiny.
1: I didn't catch the dick. Oh. Or it didn't it didn't register enough for me to remember it or take? I
2: noticed that it. it was like unrealistically thick. That jumped out at me.
0: What do you mean, Michael? I have no idea what you're talking about, Michael. Hmm. There must Prime. be something about Canadians up there.
1: Oh Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> it's the cold. It's the cold, man. It's the it's cold. This
2: War of eighteen twelve, part two. <laughs> they made him question time, the size of his genitalia.
1: This time the with the rest of history.
2: Yes, with
0: dicks.
1: Cone Pinga.
2: <laughs>
0: anyway.
1: <laughs>
2: made himself laugh.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So boys, before we go, let's start wrapping this up. Where can people find out more about you and where can they find your shows?
2: They can find me on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter at Defender Radio. Wait, no, let me do that again. They can find me on Twitter and Facebook at Defender Radio and on Instagram at Howie Michael. And the show is hosted on thefurbears.com and anywhere you listen to podcasts.
0: See, Michael practices his little thing, so I'm just going to... Not that much, because he
1: fucked it up, and I'm not fixing it in post, because as he said, post is for whims. Please continue, Christopher. Yes,
0: exactly. (laughs) I've got your back on that, Patrick. (laughs) (laughs) I feel you.
2: I'll remember
0: this more time. (laughs) Sorry, Michael, eh? (laughs) But no, you can find me... Really, Twitter's probably the best place at C Grunland and that's G-R-O-N-L-U-N-D. Or you just go to no lumberjacks.com and you could either just go listen to whatever episodes there or you can click this little link that says quick list and it breaks down on one single page all the stories I've told, including the hide behind, mm-hmm. which was narrated by one. Michael Howie and it's yeah. one of the few times a Canadian wasn't sorry sorry eh? hey Michael can you say out and about in a boat it's offensive but yes I'll do
2: it thank you we'll be out in a boat in a boat. ah
1: it's not offensive it's wonderful it brings oh. joy it brings joy
2: but now Christopher can you say
0: Chicago Chicago yeah there it is what stuff? He keeps saying I've got a Chicago accent. I don't have it. I didn't hear Chicago. Yeah. See,
2: there you oh, go. But see, I listen to a couple of podcasts that are Midwest.
0: Yeah, meow. 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 Meow.
1: Meow. 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 Well, please continue. So sorry. That cat from Mister Rogers just showed up for a second. Up. <laughs> 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 meow. 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 Bullshit. Meow. Meow. Beard. Meow. 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 Michael Howie. Meow. Meow. Uh,
2: anyway. So. I no, you. I no, I can't.
1: I've ruined everything. And of course, you can find us all at Cut the Bullshit Podcasting. Which, if you're a podcaster, if you're new or if you've been doing it forever, it's a fantastic little think tank. Nobody's selling anything, guys. Back me up here. Yeah,
2: oh yeah, ab- it's-
0: absolutely. It's great for that.
2: Yeah, I left a couple of the big ones because I got really, really, really tired of hearing about how I can funnel my listeners into an entrepreneurial pyramid to monetize my upward momentum
1: uh-huh.
2: uh, and then click to the bait to the uh, per thousands and monetize uh, and sell sponsorships.
0: I already glazed over.
2: I, yeah. I'm just saying words now, yeah. Um, but yeah.
0: And it's run by a lovely guy named Jeremy ends who also has a very good beard.
2: I don't think he's lovely. I think he's actually like nefarious.
0: Well, that's because different sides of Canada.
1: He baits us in with ice cream, man
0: okay mm. true he
1: baits us in with ice cream that's creepy that's his whole thing come in introduce yourself and tell me your favorite flavor of ice cream
0: that God. is kind of creepy when you think cream. about it it's
1: totally <laughs> creepy Jeremy's a creepy motherfucker okay. I love you to pieces Jeremy but you're creepy
0: hey way. everybody come tell me about your favorite ice cream flavor see now all the panties ran away again beard. all the panties
1: went back in the drawer
0: <laughs> there's like a bead of vanilla just dripping down his <laughs> beard and it's like <laughs> <laughs>
1: Let me tell you how we can add value.
2: (laughs) I've got a bottle of warm chocolate sauce here.
1: I love them to pieces, but value is this current buzzword, and it does drive me crazy. (laughs) Yeah,
0: value drives me nuts, too, but we Uh love you, Jeremy.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh But, yeah, but nobody's selling anything. You will have great ideas. If you have any kind of questions, somebody knows how to fix it. Yes. And nobody's charging you for anything, and there's great people there, like the three of us.
0: Exactly.
2: Well, we're the best.
1: Well, we are the cream of the crop. I mean, we are the bearded three. We are the beard facta.
0: Indeed. Beard facta.
1: And, and, you know, we could, you could join if you have a beard and we can make it a beard parallelogram. I got nothing. R- that's a, a
2: quadra, promise. quadra promise? beard?
1: Quadra no.
2: beard works. Mm-hmm. Uh, would it be a queer no, it.
1: No, quadra beard sounds like it's crippled. <laughs>
0: yeah, okay,
1: it so <laughs> Beard in a wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> and christopher just got a new story title (laughs) yeah there you go (laughs) (laughs) write that story
0: (laughs) did i hear michael just spew water or something (laughs) i like the term queered queered
1: queered that's a whole other pile of things beard beard it's a whole other pile of beard that it's a whole other thing that's misleading
0: well well
1: you damn heterosexuals. Anyway,
0: hey, hey, he, that was Michael's doing there. That was a Canadian poke at humor there. And uh
1: huh, I was just saying, you know, I, I, yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah, uh huh, uh huh.
0: Okay, yeah. The war
2: is beginning soon. We're bad people, Michael. I you are say, bad people.
1: I didn't say we're bad people. I accept you for what you are.
0: Well thank you, you. Don't are.
1: shove it down my throat. Except shove <laughs> it down my throat. <laughs>
0: especially if it's big and veiny.
1: And especially if you're giving me money for Kickstarter. Kickstarter. Okay, <laughs> boys, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you so much for helping out with the Halloween Marathon and for supporting new alternatives. You guys are the best. But before we go, I gotta know. Where are those beards at? Beards, beards up my face. face. Mine's on my face, too. Happy Halloween.
0: Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, everybody. Ha, ha, ha. I had a slight diversion, but I'm bad.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, before we take off for this episode and wrap things up, i got to tell you a story just because the story didn't end when the recording did because about a week after we recorded this, Michael Howie came to New York City. Yeah, so I got to meet him, and I do what I always do with my out-of-town guests. I have to take them to Marie's Crisis. That's the true test of friendship. Can you get drunk with me at insanely low prices while people scream show tunes in your face? This is important. It's like my church, okay? And the thing is, Michael had said to me beforehand. He's like, "Do you think maybe you might be in- able to introduce me to a lady companion for my time in New York?" I'm like, "You want me to find you a hooker?" He's like, "No, no." I'm like, "Okay, because so I can do that." And he's like, "No, no, 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 no." He's like, "Okay." like, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't have any female friends that are looking at the time period, although you were really catch. Because the thing with Michael Howie, which is amazing, even though he's like a quiet, unassuming dude, he somehow managed to be, manages to be the center of every conversation ever. Like, with Michael Howie's around, you have to talk about him. It's fascinating. But, you know, we're at Marie's crisis, and... The piano hasn't even started yet. We got there early, and I am working magic. I'm just introducing him to people, you know, because I have my regular friends there, and you know, when it, the bar is super friendly, so when it's quiet like this, people, you know, are it's easier to mingle, and you don't just start talking to anybody about anything. And I suddenly realize I'm standing in a circle with me, Michael Howie, and two available babes who I haven't met yet. I mean, I've met them. We've been talking for a while, but I'm just making sure that Michael gets introduced to everybody that I know. And these girls got lumped into the mix, and we are all having a really interesting, con- interesting conversation. And these two girls are all up in Michael Howie's grill, not in a gross way. You know, it's not like the set of The Bachelor or anything like that. No, no, no. no. They are just they are just intrigued by the by the entity that is Michael Howie. And I'm thinking, I'm awesome. Now, at some point, this couple wandered into the bar. And you can tell by the way they're moving around. Like, they're from out of town. They read about this in a guidebook because they don't know how to behave. They don't know where to sit. They're looking at everybody like, where's the piano? Well, it hasn't started yet. Calm down. And I could also tell like, they don't speak English. I think they're French. And you can, you can spot these things on tours after a while. And that's fine. I wasn't judging them. I was just noting. And they were sitting and just about to have... Is that, you know, the guy was just about to get up to go to the bar, and as he's getting up to get his drinks, Michael Howie points may You have to understand, Michael Howie's big. He's a tall dude, and he's got some girth to him. And he's also, you know, never mind. Never mind. I never, never, don't. Let's not talk about Michael Howie's girth. I'm sorry I even brought it up. But the thing is, he all of a sudden just breaks free of the crowd. That were the two ladies and I. They're standing with him. He takes two lumbering steps towards this poor man who's getting out of his seat, thrusts this meaty finger at his face and goes, MASTODON! I'm horrified. The person, the poor man, looks terrified and indicates that he doesn't understand. So instead of explaining, Michael Howie doubles down. He takes another couple of steps, boom, 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 towards this tiny little French man and goes, Mastodon! I I grab him, like, Michael Howie, what are you doing? And he said, oh, well, he had a dinosaur on his shirt, so I had to point it out because that's what I do. So now this poor French couple have left the bar in terror, FYI. And I turned to watch the two girls totally interested in Michael Howie just kind of drift away to the bar like, oh, I remembered I left my iron on in 1973, so I better go check on it like now. And the other one's like, I just remembered I'm a huge, huge lesbian. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is Michael Howie. Love him. Leave him. You're going to wind up loving him anyway because you have to. You can't not. You can't not. Anyway. That is going to wrap things up for this episode. Please, don't make me cry again. It's only day two. I was crying yesterday probably because I was overtired and frustrated. But today, I struck a chord that I didn't expect to go to. I struck a chord I didn't expect to play. And that's okay. Whatever it takes to get you to go to fundraise org slash sq for Scream Queens and donate $21 or more whatever it takes so tomorrow instead of leaving you unattended while I'm out of town I have an episode ready packaged for you to go and it's going to be really sane and civilized and intelligent conversation and, and witty banter and oh Wait, I'm sorry. No, it's the Creepy Kitsch Girls. Oh, yes, Cindy and Stacy, you're back on the show. Yes, the people that – the women responsible for me coming up with that Leprechaun versus Nomi Malone sequel in the Leprechaun series. They're going to be back, so Lord knows what's going to be happening. But what movie are we going to talk about, Patrick? Oh, you're in for a world of shit because we're talking about the bye-bye man. Oh, isn't it bad enough that you're going to Camp Crystal Lake without us, but you have to inflict the bye-bye man upon us? No, kids. If I had to suffer through it, so do you. But you're going to have a great time. You're going to have a great time. In- <sighs> and if not, I don't care. I'm going to be at Camp Crystal Lake and you're not. I'm sorry. That was mean. Please, please, please. Remember, head on over to NYC org slash SQ. Donate, donate, donate. And if you've already donated, get a friend to donate. I have to calculate exactly how many $21 donations it's going to take to get us there. But that's math. Okay? And that's Friday. And I don't do math on Friday. I don't do math any day, but I especially do not do it on Friday. Now, I did not mention last – actually, I did mention last time, but I lost the segment. During the potathon. I will not be taking – Voicemails. I mean, let me rephrase that. I will not be addressing voicemails on the show. I've got way too much to do. However, just like last year, since I am going to be essentially Halloweening myself out of the season, that by the time Halloween eventually rolls around, I'm going to be so fucking sick of it and exhausted that all I'm going to want to do is sleep, that I need to live my Halloween vicariously through you. So, if you do something awesome this year, if you go to a haunted house or you go to an awesome Halloween party or you went to a bake sale that went bizarrely wrong or anything like that, I want to know. I need to know. I mean, I still have to have a Halloween after all this, right? Even if it's in February, whatever, I need a Halloween. And, you know, if you've got a favorite Halloween memory, whatever, I want to hear that too. Also, I want to see your costumes. Send me your Halloween costumes. If you've decked up your house really super and you're proud of it, I want to see it. And if you didn't do it this year and you thought it was great, send me whatever pictures you got. Whatever pictures you get are going to be going up on the Instagram page because I want to show off my community of listeners to the world and say, look at how awesome they are. Look at that awesome costume. Look at that awesome decorated house. And they also donated to new alternatives. You can't. Get more awesome than my listeners. And that is the God's honest truth. So you can get those calls in at 917 720 2047. You can write me at crew at screamqueens.com. You can find me on Facebook by doing a search on Scream Queens, where horror gets gay. I'm on Twitter at Scream Queens. And I'm on Instagram at Scream Queens Podcast. And if you want to hear the inside dish about what's been going on when they thought the recorders weren't rolling, you can eavesdrop on the private conversations of all of my guests while they were in my studio by becoming a patron. Head on over to www.patreon.com slash queens, become a patron, set up a monthly donation, support the show, and get the inside dirt on Michael Howie. What is he like when the cameras aren't on him even though there are no cameras? Whatever. You know what I mean. Shut up. Shut up. So until tomorrow, my beautiful, beautiful screamers continue to make the world a slightly less creepy place. Okay? And never, ever forget that Scream Queen's golden rule because it might save your life one day. Fight or flight. Survive the night. Make it through the final reel, baby. Because you're awesome.